Hey, here's just a question. Uh, what mecha would you would you want to bang out of every franchise, and which, which is the sexiest? Every franchise. Like, yeah, like which one would you personally take to bed and bang? Are you trying? Are you trying to out me as a robosexual? It's like I know I said I like mecha. But I mean, no, it's it's just just answer it. Uh, Delphinium. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't like that answer. They don't like that answer. What's your the answer? It's the Nobel Gundam. From G Gundam? Yeah. Of course you would say Nobel Gundam. What the f- What do you mean? It's cause she looks like a Sailor Moon ripoff. And that's a problem? Listen. That's about the only good answer you could say outside of Darling the Franks. These robots are built to be sexualized. I don't know what uh, you expect from me. I... I thought... I thought you'd have a good answer. <laughs> I thought it'd be something weird. I thought it'd be like Big Wheel. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Love me some Big Wheel, but no, you're the beast. Listen, I like <laughs> Mecha. I don't like to fuck Mecha. Unlike you, apparently. I'm just saying that if you wouldn't, if that if you wouldn't bang the Nobel Gundam, then I, I don't. You're not real. At least the Franks have faces. But do you do you really like Nobel Gundam that much? No, we both know the real sexy robot is the <sighs> RX782. Oh yeah. I would call that one my darling. <laughs> Cue the intro. Welcome to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. My name is Matt, and all of you are my darlings. And I'm Brad, and all of you out there listening is my Delta. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a way to start this. Okay. So that was obviously, a spike in audio, and I apologize yeah. in advance. <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's the first of the month, and you know what that means. We got our periods. <laughs> okay, no, but for really, it's the first of the month, and it's Anna Misery time. And today we are covering the. We're I was about to call it a classic, but I don't think it really is. We're covering Darling in the Franks, 2018. It came out two years ago. How is that a classic? I'm stupid. Okay, calm down. Calm down. I'm trying okay. to lead in the Anna Misery issue. Okay, right. just calm down. Sit down. I am sitting. <laughs> Sit down harder. <laughs> Shit on your chair. <laughs> okay, so we're covering. Two 
So we're covering 2018's Darling in the Franks. Now I know what you're thinking. Hey, Matt, I really like that show. It doesn't suck ass. Well, we cover shows that are widely believed to be pretty bad. And not a whole lot of people are talking about Darling in the Franks uh, 16th episode and onward. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Also known as the A1 Pictures curse. Apparently. Okay. 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 So, Darling in the Franks. Was released in 2018. I don't remember the exact time, but I know when it came out. Winter 2018, from January to July. Nice. Directed by Atsushi Nishigori and produced by Cloverworks and animated by Trigger Cloverworks and A1 Pictures. Dar- Darling in the Franks is a. Uh... Why don't you lead in with the summary, Brad? Let's see. Uh, who? Darling in the Franks is an anime that really, really wants to be. It's it's Darling in the Franks is an anime made by a staff who really misses the days of Evangelion and Gurren Lagann. Is that the story? <laughs> That's what I get the feeling of. So, imagine a post-apocalypse world where monsters are attacking the last of humanity. And the only way to stop them are with giant uh, female robots piloted by young boys and girls doing doggy style in the cockpit. You had me for the first half. Not gonna lie. Just like the show. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> Mom, get the camera! <laughs> Alright, so... Yes, Darling in the Franks. It's, it's, it's in a post-apocalyptic future where children, as in every single mecha show, are piloting giant robots. I mean, once you once you become an adult, you can't pilot a mecha anymore. I'm sorry to say this, guys. It's always fun to see how these shows explain why it's always the kids that have to do this. Oh, man. You know what we forgot to mention? What? It's March Mecha Madness! Woo! What does that mean? All this month, we'll be covering exclusively Mecha shows, except the times we don't, because we know that some people just don't like Mecha. But we here at Otaku Melancholy, we love Mecha. I love Mecha. I had to drag you along, and then you're like, I love Mecha too! Okay, excuse me? I like Gurren Lagon. Gurren Lagon's Mecha. Evangelion's Mecha. Macross is Mecha. All of those are like, yeah? Kinda? Maybe. So, Darling in the Franks, these evil, well, these creatures called Klaxosaurs are attacking these plantations. And to defend them, children are like Brad said, they're in these these giant mecha known as Franks. There is a male pilot who's the, st- the stamen, and the female pilot who's the pistol. And... These children, as it's revealed through the uh, through the course of the show, have very shortened lifespans, and we cover we are our opening our well our characters are Squad Thirteen of Plantation Thirteen. Our main protagonist, of course, being Hero. He is there. <laughs> all of these characters in the plantation. All these parasite—they're called parasites. I'm just 
losing my mind. They're called parasites, and they all are assigned a number. But Hero, because he is the main character, has a special trait where everybody likes him. And ergo, he gave them all names. And they all want him, especially Ichigo, whose Ooh. number is also 1-5, Ichi and Go. Which is kind of clever. I like that. It's kind of clever. Anyways, Hero can't get it up. I mean, he can't pilot the robot. Uh, he can't pilot the robot. Get it up. And so, uh, his partner, Amelia. What? What's her name? Her name was Naomi. I don't know where I got Amelia from. Re zero. Oh, so <laughs> she sent away because she. She is sent away because Hero can't pilot the mecha. And then Zero Two comes in and says, Darling, let's go pilot the mecha, except I'm going to kill you after three times. But then she doesn't. And then he's like, oh, sweet. I love piloting the mecha. And Ichigo is like, why don't you pilot the mecha with me? And he's like, I can't get it up to you. I mean, pilot the mecha with you. That's There's a lot of... Uh, there's a, This show... It's a very coming of age story. It is. It is a. It is a solid. It is a solid watch for watching characters grow and age. It's age emotionally, not physically so much. But it's 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 a good coming of age story. But it has also got teenagers doing very thinly veiled sexual things. Mm-hmm. What stood out to me? The first thing that stood out to me was. In one of the early episodes, when they, f- when we first met Zero Two, which mm-hmm. I think was it was either episode one or two, Hero comes across her at the lake and she's nude, and I'm like, you know, ever since seeing Interspecies of Viewers, all of this nudity just feels so tacked on and forced and just unconvincing. Interspecies wow. Reviewers really set the standard for uh, titillation, and everything else just falls flat. Sounds like you've become desensitized to it. Well, that might be part of it. But it's also, uh... It's also, I've seen the golden standard. And wow. this show has... It's... This show is horny as fuck. <laughs> it's horny on main... <laughs> Like, I don't know if they're trying to get away with something or if they're they're trying to be clever, but they're not. Like, the first time I saw previews for this, and I saw the way they piloted, where the female pilot, the pistol, is on all fours, and the male pilot, the stamen, is holding on to these controls that are attached to her ass cheeks. And I'm like... This show is ass pilots. And it yeah. doesn't help that when they activate, the girls' suits have little glowing lights that start off their ass cheeks and then go trailing up her spine. It's like, that's that's the trail of the cum shot. Oh, didn't even think about that. And I hope I hope you I hope you passed uh, botany and zoology, because there is a lot of plant metaphors in this show. I did not. You didn't pass? Well, I didn't go. Oh. I didn't take a botany class. I took biology, though. Close enough. Let's see. Some of the things off the top of my head. 
pistol, stamen, plantation, parasite, which fits in somehow. And then they have like bird metaphors, which kind of sort of fit in somewhere. They cite the Gion, which uh, they described as a male bird with one wing and a female bird with the another wing. And they can't fly unless they lean on each other. And I'm like, that's not how birds work. Well, so, Darling in the Franks is about Plantation 13 that have five male and female pairs. And let's go through them. Let's go through them real quick. Excluding Zero Two, she's special. So you got Hero. He's got no personality. He's the main character. He's so you can say, that's me. I'm Hero. <laughs> you got Ichigo and Goro. Ichigo's best. And also, also... Really, really horny for a hero. Ichigo did nothing wrong. I, I'm about if I lose if I lose one of our viewers to this. I didn't think Ichigo did anything wrong too. She wanted it, and she got it. Good for her. Any slice of life romance show would take two seasons in a movie to do that. Yeah, there was a lot of kissing in the show. I was kind of after coming down off so many slice of life shows where there's like. Three episode, three seasons in a movie to get to the hand holding scene. Mm-hmm. I was just shocked by the lip on lip contact. Anyways, there's Goro. He's best boy. He gets kind of cucked. Goro's really nice. He's nice boy. He's he's nice guy trademark. Yeah. We got Futoshi and Kokoro. Futoshi eats a lot of food. Kokoro likes to figure out how babies are made. Kokoro is like discount Mercedes from Fire Emblem Three Houses. We've got Miku and Zerome. Miku is second best girl. Yeah. And Zerome is actually Zerome's best boy. He is funny. Makes yeah. me consistently laugh. We've got Mitsuru and Ikuno who Ikuno doesn't matter. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. And Mitsuru has Ikuno and Mitsuru have, like, half a personality between them both. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got Zero Two, who is... She is everybody's waifu, it seems like. It seems like I just see so much Zero Two stuff. I saw so much Zero Two. That's what propelled me to watch the show when it was airing the first time. Yeah. I've, I remember seeing how there were, like, behind-the-scenes discussions on how Zero Two was specifically designed to be popular every facet of her that's kind of like is that for is that actually true that's what i've heard i mean i i can kind of see it she does have all the kind of characteristics that kind of that would kind of draw someone to her she's got she's really cute but she's also got an edge to her and she's she's just got a she's got a nice speech pattern so she is kind of just engineered to be waifu, I guess. Yeah. And especially considering how this is Japanese propaganda. Excuse me? I took a sip of water <laughs> and then you said something like that. Well, yeah, it's Ex- Japanese propaganda trying to get their population to fuck so they can have more children and not die out as a nation. Are you for real? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> It's also propaganda about telling how the fossil fuel industry is killing our planet. <laughs> okay, now that was so heavy-handed that even I saw that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, 
you can tell that it's really ham-fisted. <laughs> I was hoping that you would just try to call me out as like a conspiracy nut. No, I mean that entire thing about the uh, about the uh, about the science, the ape, the ape, <laughs> ape just. There's there's a lot to get into, so let's try and get into the non-spoilers and save the save the spicy stuff for the second half. Yeah, well, I mean, Darling and the Franks couldn't save the spicy stuff for the second half. Whoa! So, uh, what, so what was about the first half that we all liked? That that Sakuga man, the fight. Okay, so here's. So the first fifteen episodes remind me a lot of Gurren Lagann, really and truly, you know. Yeah. Like the first, it's a lot of character drama. It's a lot of interesting character drama because you see that Ichigo is not wanting to give up on Hero. She's being very stubborn in her ways, yeah. and Zero Two and Hero are in front of that, are having a blooming romance, and you're seeing that Zero Two has a lot of internal strife concerning her origins, and Hero's struggling to accept it, even though he's probably. And it's all interesting because you've got so many things going on. You've got what's going on between Mitsuru and Kokoro. It's the first half I really enjoyed yeah. all the character drama that was going on. And the ro- the actual fights were superb. There was a lot of – I'm going to gush about this show because the first half was stellar. Like it was going to 10 out of 10 proportions in the first half. Yeah. The world building was it was phenomenal. So many things were being explained to me without taking time and saying, this happened far time ago. Yeah. Characters were talking naturally, and I, as the viewer, were learning with them. I didn't need a POV character. I didn't need, like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I'm the new guy, so you have to explain everything to, to the audience. I mean, to me. Yeah, it was Hero. Hero, you haven't been able to pilot these because you suck at it. Flashback. <laughs> yeah, I did suck at it. I sucked at it because of this. And it it flowed really well. It is it presented everything to me like I wasn't a like I wasn't a moron. Yeah. And I appreciated it. And the characters and there's a lot of things that I really could gush about this show. Some of it a little bit spoilery, but there are certain hints early on, the story points that you'll find out a lot later, like Mitsuru's relationship with Hiro. You know, there's hints that there's something up in the early, early on when he's so eager to say, Hey, I'm going to take your girl. Yeah. And then it, 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 and then you see it play out later and it's so layered. And I was in that, in those moments, especially with the trigger design characters. Cause, Oh man, I'm on board for any time trigger trigger if anytime triggers involved with a project yeah i'm in i might be basic but i'm in you know <laughs> yeah i mean they came from gynax so they had they have some stylistic character designs stylistic anything designs like the franks every frank is nice and unique and even yeah. though their their proportions are a bit wonky for how feminized they are like they got Big, broad shoulders. They have some nice weapons, head designs, face designs. And then Ganista, who is just so different. It's it. She's one of my favorites, just because of how different it is. It's like all of these, yeah. all these Frank's mechas are like skinny little bitches in skin-tight suits. And then you have Ganista, who's in like a big overcoat. And it's just so cute. 
I and also there's a lot of praise to be just dropped on the show because obviously before this Mecca kind of took a de- it was kind of a dead genre really and truly it's still dead. Yeah. Darling and the Franks just took its corpse out and danced with it for a little. Yeah. And what they did is really unique because we kind of like honestly like I'm about to say something that you should all know here. Anime nowadays is kind of based off waifu culture. Yep. And they said, why don't we make the mechas the waifus? <laughs> and they were like, Takashi-san, you're getting promoted. And he said, nice. I'm going to go drink some sake and pass out on the street. <laughs> so, what's your what's your waifu mecha of the week from this show? Uh, don't mind me. I'm just looking up their Wikipedia real quick because I can't remember their names. <sighs> I I liked the one that I think it's going to be extraordinarily based. I liked the one that Miku and uh, Miku and Zeromi pilot. I love Twin Tails. Argentia. Yeah, I also loved her claws. I love that yeah. that it's just so. She's kind of she, she's kind of the thickest one of the bunch. <laughs> And she's <laughs> just look at that mecha boy thick yeah she does have a nice design she's got like looks like the striped stockings on her and the claws are very nice and do like the weapons that they have especially Ganesa's gun lance as, as someone who loved the gun lance from Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate seeing that in this show is like nice you know what uh, they all kind of are based off Monster Hunter weapons, aren't they? Cause, yeah, kind of. Because uh, the one I like, it's kind of based off dual blades because they're just so fast and fervent. I also really like the uh, I really like the mecha designs because you can tell who you can tell what they're all about just by their design. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now, in the lore it, of it, it's hard to tell if the design was intended to be based on the female pilot. But whether or not it's, that's true, uh, in the show meta, you could tell who's piloting who. And I think it is because, you know, like they stay assigned to that uh, that mech. It's yeah. the guys who swap around. Yeah. Because the guys don't matter. Of course. Neither of None of them do. So, just, just, a, just a quick, quick question. Uh, did the Klaxosaur designs do anything for you? Uh, let's see, the big cube one in one of the mid, uh, the first quarter episodes, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, like the one that just pinned Estreza against the wall and just <laughs> pounded it. I yeah. was like, I lost, I lost my mind at that because yeah. I was just, that's effective. Yeah, the, it's, the Clionsosaurus were kind of like, eh? But that cube one, I was like, ooh, it's a cube. And it can open up to be a not cube. And it can fall back in. But, oh, there was the drill one, the drill snake. That one was interesting. And kind of clever. Yeah, I I mean, again, when it was kind of a, a little bit more episodic and they were fighting, you know, the Klaxosaurs, I was having a good time. Because the fights were really good. It was, It was solid stuff. Yeah. I did like how the Klaxosaurus had a, like, mechanical, cybernetic look, which does come into play later. And I do like that how 
It, it could have just stayed as a design on its own without any more explanation. But that it did uh, so so later on in the in the show. It's a nice little bit of forethought that's uh, enjoyable. We have been just heaping praise on an Anna Misery show. <laughs> well, that's because we're in the first half still. Oh, yeah. This is. Are we just basically like saying, yeah, you got a nice personality. And then the second <laughs> half is just, but you smell like dookie. Yeah. E- now, you, you like this from the first half from the get-go. I, it took me kind of a while to get on the uh, I like the strain. The first, like, ten or so episodes, I kept taking the piss out of it. It's like, what's with all these terms you keep using? You think you're so clever? You're not. Or, what's with all the sex metaphors? Can't you be a little more subtle? But once I got to around, what was it? Episode 13, The Beast and the Prince, where Hero and Zero Two get into, like, their their past that was when i was i uh i leaned forward with my chin cradled between my thumb and finger going soldus nay <laughs> see i was i was kind of just from the get-go i was already just interested in the character in the characters themselves yeah Be- because it's just it's kind of nice when you have characters like that who they they're really i wouldn't say well thought out but they're dynamic yeah and it makes it interesting to see how they bounce off one another and interact with each other because you know like when kokoro and mitsuri started you know after the uh, beach episode oh, so my fucking god i forgot about that <laughs> yeah the beach episode so you know even if this show is perfect it couldn't have a 10 because it had to have a beach episode so after, just seeing Keats, uh, about to call him Keatsuru and Mokoro. <laughs> uh, Kokoro Mitsuru, just seeing them interact was interesting because it was just something neat. Now, there was a couple of cringe episodes, the episodes that were a little bit early on that weren't so focused on the uh, actual fights in Mecha were a little bit of a slag to sit through. Yeah. Like the one that was just, you got in a fight, so we're dividing this house down the middle. Yeah. That's I so was that I did like that episode because we got to see a little bit more fun, playful side from Zero Two, and that, I was I had a real enjoyable time seeing Hero chasing Zero Two around. I was like, it felt like genuine fun. It it was fun. I, I just the premise was kind of cringe. Also, for I'm not, I'm complaining about this personally because in the first half they did it a lot, but the black bars that said. This scene is important and dramatic. <laughs> Did you notice those? I noticed it a lot. The uh, like the artificial widescreen. Yeah, there was an episode in the second half that did it egregiously. I think it was episode nineteen, the backstory episode. It did it yeah. so much. I was like, "What are you trying to do? Are you trying to be? Uh, are you trying to win the cinematography Oscar?" <laughs> And the cin- and the Oscar for cinematography goes to some Japanese cartoon. LOL. <laughs> yeah, the black bar was obviously it was telling me this is an important scene, and not to say that it didn't work all the time. It there were particular scenes where I said, "Oh, interesting, yeah, bold choice." I wouldn't do that, but I'm also not a director. I hardly noticed when the black bars came on the screen, 
But I did notice it when they left the screen. I was like, oh, that was an important scene. Just like people, you don't notice them when they're around, but when they're gone. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a tender otaku melancholy moment. <laughs> so weird to think about. It hasn't even been six months since we left, and yet it feels like the distant past. Come with me. Oh. Wait, hold on. We were never like this, right? Uh, I don't think that we were. See that? It's the same type of injection they administered to us. But they're so young, and they're already getting parasite injections? Indeed. <laughs> We've started giving more concentrated doses of yellow blood cells than in the past. I'm sure you're aware the Klaxosaurs have grown more active lately. As a result, the system is being retooled to produce more capable and obedient parasites. Speaking of, you're the parasites from Squad 13, yes? You're not supposed to be in here. Uh, ma'am? Has a girl from our plantation called Naomi... Has Code 703 been back here yet? Code 703? Of course not. Once a parasite leaves the garden, they never return to it again. Anyway, so the scene where Straza became upgraded, you know, oh, yeah. like where it became full red. Uh-huh. Like on the 15th episode? Yeah. I was hard. <laughs> Anytime somebody goes through a transformation sequence... Just from my years of magical girling, yeah, gets me, gets me ready for anime. And when she did that, I was like, "Oh, what an overhaul! Her abilities are so amazing." I was hyped to see what would happen. And then the second half came, mm -hmm. and uh, I really uh, the first half was it wasn't even the first half. It was like the first three fifths. The first three fifths, stellar. Uh, if you just if you just pretended that they destroyed the, uh, that they destroyed the, uh, what? I cannot even remember what they were fighting. Oh. Um, if you just pretend that it ended with episode 15, they fought it, it, they won, it was the end. You have, that's a 10 out of 10 show right there for Matt. Oh, yeah, Grand Crevasse. Yeah, Grand Crevasse. They were trying to seize Grand Crevasse. Just end it there. End the show for yourselves there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll have a big cliffhanger, but it's fine. That yeah, the it's... cliffhanger doesn't really come off. Uh, doesn't really lead up to anything. I honestly forgot about it until the very end. I'm like, wait, what? What happened to the? What happened to that thing? Yeah, I mean, we're 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 in the age of anime where everything's getting adapted, and it's just every season ends with. I guess the venture continues. If you want to watch it later, yeah. comes that second season. Buy the light novel. Buy their Blu-rays and we'll make season three. Uh, maybe. Anyways, let's get into spoilers. Future Brad, tell them when to skip to. All right. Uh, okay, thank you, Future Brad. Uh, so, how about the almost four episodes of No Mecca? Like the uh, 16 through 19? Yeah. 
I actually really enjoyed that. Fuck off. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. I know fuck you. I uh-oh. <laughs> For me, I, like I said, I, I jumped in at like episode 13 is when I started paying attention. I really dropped off episode 19 because of how stupid that backstory was. Okay. Okay. Now, I... I've done my best. I've done my best not to, like, watch any YouTube videos before this. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say that I was doing a little bit of research just to get kind of a general consensus of, am I a stupid idiot for hating this <laughs> stuff? And I got to say that episode 19 is absolute shit. Yeah. No question. It's... Okay. Here's the thing about it. Right? If you're going to do a lore dump on me, if you're going to do a lore dump, just make it fucking better. <laughs> I Here's my thing. Obviously, you ever see you ever watch like a mysterious show that's got a mysterious background? Yeah. And it's something to the effect of something to the effect of, you know, the mystery's revealed, the curtain comes off and it's usually it's oh, there's a little bit of mild discomfort because oh, that changes the past so much, you know? It changes how you viewed the events leading up to the big reveal, you know? Yeah. But episode 19 shat all over, all over the world building that had come up to that point. Now, there's the episode where Zeromi uh, is running through the city of adults, right? Yeah. And it's menacing. It's kind of scary because I you don't know what's going to happen to Zeromi. He seems so naive. And then he meets that the older woman and it's it's it, 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 it's kind of hard. It's kind of touching because he's so, you know, he's so he's got such this idolization of adults. And we and, kind of share that with him. It's like, oh, I want to know more about all these adults that are wearing these masks and what the city's like. And then, yeah. You find out along with him that maybe this isn't so great. What the hell's happening? Yeah, and especially that scene where the old man, you know, is, you know, like having fun and smiling. Yeah. It's menacing. It makes you uncomfortable, and it makes you enticed to understand what happened. Why is the city like this? Why are they using the kids to fight? And you you obviously get, yeah, it's like you said, you get the sense that there's something going on that isn't right. Yeah. And then, and then episode 19, it goes, oh, they just wanted to live forever. Yeah. Like, excuse me? Taking, like, a list of all the interesting lore bits uh, pre-episode 19 and then revealed episode 19, we have things like the Franks themselves, which are a giant mecha that you don't know what they're about, you just know they work and that they take two people to pilot. You have Dr. Franks, who is this enigmatic figure with half a metallic head. Oh, like, yeah. Fuck episode 19 for that, because to, up until that point, he's such an interesting and engaging character. You do not know what his deal is, you know? Yeah. He's, he, he's got a cool design. He looks like he's the secret bad guy and that he's got something up his sleeve. And then, no, he's just, he's just an edgy boy. Yeah. It's like you see him doing all these scientific experiments, and it's like, ooh, he's got an agenda going on. A little bit of uh, Dr. Mengele vibe to him. And he's always at odds with the with Papa and the ones in charge. 
and you have the plantations with, where everyone is staying at, and like, oh, these are the last bastions of humanity. And you get to episode 19, and it tries to explain all these things. And it feels like that they had all the, the lore and the world first, and then they tried to explain it afterwards. So, yeah. yeah. It all stems from these masked people, Papa and the gang, who are called Ape. I don't, I don't know if it stands for anything. Ape. It's like, that's the dumbest fucking name ever. And let's talk about the concept of suspension of disbelief. The concept of, yeah, we know this is fake, but we want you to accept it as real. Giant monsters attacking humanity because they're stealing magma from the earth? Alright, I can go on with that. Giant robots that have to fight them, piloted by two teenagers doing doggy style. Okay, sure, sure. Desertification of the world, and everyone has to survive in these floating cities. Okay, okay. The year 2025, and in the House of Representatives, you have regular-ass politicians, and this group of people in like fancy trench coats and metal masks that look like apes. And you expect me to believe that no one else is saying, what the fuck are these clowns doing in our Congress? <laughs> you expect me to believe that bullshit? Get out of here. Get out of here. That made me so mad. And then the, and, it, and it went on to explain how this single group is the only one who not only discovered that magma energy from the earth can be the most fuel-efficient way of powering the world, and as also discovering the key to immortality, and also creating the plantations to keep humanity safe after the world is turned to desert, and figuring out how to clone humanity to where they can be a positive release mecha, that they also designed. It's like, come the fuck on! How much can they do? I... Okay, there's a lot that kind of just makes me, like, weirdly antsy about it, too. Because the fact of the matter is that it's it's stupid. It's like you said. It's like they had a cool world, and it's cool. The world of Darling and the Franks, up until the curtain is pulled back, is a fascinating world. You want to know all, more about it. And the fact they trick, they just... They just trickle feed you it makes it more engaging, you know. Yeah. And then episode episode nineteen, darling, and the that's just Doctor Frank's. Yeah, I saw this. I I'm a lolicon. I saw this this princess, and I was like, I want to bang that, and that's why I did everything I did. She took my arm and my heart. <laughs> XD, rar, and I was so mad because he looked like such the such an asshole character. As far as his old youth design, I said, "It okay, we cannot." It felt so rushed. Like that episode felt like it was just go, 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 go. We're right. We got. We got to get to space. It's like medicine. All these episodes have giving giving us like a half dose of a pill of lore, and then episode nineteen just forced us an overdose, and I'm sick. <laughs> I'm vomiting in the toilet. I'm dead. <laughs> I said, I. I'm actually dead because up to that point, I was okay with the slow, the slowness of those episodes. I actually, I was going to shit on them, but it was kind of, it was kind of cute in a way 
to see them living out their lives and trying to survive, even if it wasn't what I was coming in for and what I had had previously. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I liked the characters and I was engaged with it, but it felt, it started to feel like a different show. But the moment episode 19 came and said, and said, I'm about to shit the bed, go get the extra bed sheets. Yeah. I was taken aback because you cannot tell me that someone would say, Hey, I've got an alternative re- energy source that someone from like, wouldn't say I'm about to assassinate this boy. Cause I got millions of dollars in, in, th- in thermal energy. Yeah. And it's so, and those characters ape were so intriguing before because it's like, Ooh, what are they? Are they, are they be, are they from the future? Are they from space? I was like, they wouldn't be from space. Cause that's stupid. That's, yeah, and you know what my was, impression was? My impression was that the guys from Ape were like Franks. They were cybernetic humans, but they had a more refined aesthetic to them. Like they were entirely robotic underneath, and they wore masks to hide their uh, their deformed faces. And Franks was a successful scientist, but wasn't high class enough to get that kind of treatment. Shame that mm. was not the case, though. My. My personal, my, I don't know what my personal theory was. I was along for the ride. I know at one point I had just these hunches. I was like, oh, they're probably Klaxosaurs themselves <laughs> or something to that extent. And I just, I, I thought it might have been like a political motivation that they were trying to take. A, I, I thought it was more political based. I never anticipated that we would be going to space. Like, I, hey, I, uh, I again, as, as a, the Wikipedia summary says for episode 20. Suddenly, an armada of spaceships appear. That was the moment when I realized, like, up, up, here we go. This is it. This is the downward spiral. So, I'm obviously, I I watch anti-tubers, so I knew at some point ZO2 was going to become a giant, a giant mecha, but I didn't know the context, and I (laughs) don't know what I thought. I don't know what I thought. Yeah. But when Verm appears... I said, I, I just said, you anti-spiraling copying ass, you, you bitches. <laughs> it was at that moment that I knew that Darling in the Franks was trying to copy Gurren Lagon's homework, but couldn't see over Gurren Lagon's shoulder. Yeah. So I looked up on the Darling in the Franks wiki to see if apes do for anything. It doesn't, but I get where they got their name because they're aping the concept of instrumentality from Evangelion. Dang. Yeah. I don't know what it, why there are so many shows in anime that focus on the concept of, like, uh, uh, there's no better word than instrumentality, where everyone's soul comes together into a single being to get, to get rid of any strife or conflict to where everyone can live in a happy, singular collective. And it's fine if they do that, because they have their own takes. Evangelion did it fantastically. Gundam has like a a so, sort of pseudo take on it, Kogios, and uh, no uh, spoilers. <laughs> and yeah, now we have Darling and the Franks doing it, which is nice, except it feels exactly like Evangelion, which is bad because Trigger is stemming from uh, Guy and Axe, so it's like they're just ta- looking back through old notes. 
And I think maybe maybe we'll get a little bit philosophical on it, but maybe it's because of a a, a a sort of a Japanese pride and individuality. And so the concept of giving up yourself into a collective conscious is a horrific thought, thought you know? I always thought the Japanese have a very collectivist society. Well, I mean, like, I think there's a certain pride in being, like, there's a certain pride everywhere you live, you know, like, Americans have pride in being Americans. Yeah. You know, Canadians have pride in being Canadians, and I'm sure that Eastern culture is the same way. So maybe there's, they don't want to be mixed into that sort of melting pot of, you know, all these other, other, uh, other sort of, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I thought that maybe it's just the sacrifice of, a of actual identity individualism. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's why it's a hard thought. Anyways, let's get back to the shit show. <laughs> not the because I'm not qualified to talk about this sort of thing. I'm too stupid. Well, I'm qualified because I say I am. Well, I'm. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, all right. Not only is it interesting how many times this uh, trope comes up, but also how it's always perceived as a horrific thing that has to be stopped. Like. Yeah, it, it could use a, it could use a bit more like discussion. You need to workshop your idea. <laughs> like not not just the idea, but a discussion of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because it's too often labeled as automatically. I don't like that. I like being me, and I like her being her. So I'm going to stop you. Brad is effect. You're effectively saying that you want everybody to turn into ECL fluid. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it should use use a bit more discussion of the pros you and are, cons. You are <laughs> saying that you would be open to becoming to becoming Tang. Oh God, am I becoming an enlightened centrist? You're <laughs> definitely becoming something. You're becoming Berm. You know, like, if you workshop the idea of maybe an eternal paradise, Brad's like, I'd be down for it. No, no, no. What I'm saying is... Uh, okay. <laughs> if there was an open discussion from both sides, and it eventually turned out to say, that's a bad idea, and here's why. And I could say, alright, you bring up some good points. And I'll say, yeah, this is a bad idea. Let's stop it. But... and. <laughs> But you're saying that at this current point, if someone just that you would be willing to turn into Tang, if someone <laughs> provided the points to you, and I am sitting here saying, Brad, I do not think that you want to become a conscious goop. I do not think you want to be melded into everyone. Well, I'm not I having a good time as I am, so why uh -oh. not? <laughs> uh oh. Next time Maybe I'm Tang talking. would be better than this Tang. Uh, Craig, cut his mic. <laughs> you can't stop the. Ch Craig. Okay. Okay. He's cut. He's cut. He's cut. Craig. 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 I'm gonna need you to say this. Just edit that all out because you want to have individuality. You don't want to be goop. Being you is great. Being me is good. I don't have. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He's coming back. <laughs> You see? You have a second thoughts. Anyways. I, I don't want to be goop. I just, I like being mad. Being mad is cool. Uh, Anyways, so everything <laughs> took a downturn in episode 20 when we started going into fucking space. Now, no, generally going into space is pretty cool. I mean, Muppets in space, Star Trek's in space. 
when Star Trek's on the ground, it's kind of lame, except episode four, but I'm not here to talk about Star Trek. Which Movie episode four? four? Not epi- Movie four. I didn't mean episode four. That's Star Wars. Oh, okay. I'm getting them crossed. <laughs> You're getting star-crossed. <laughs> Just slap your own knee, you... F- yeah, dude. You, f- you fucking plebeian. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, they go into space, and, it, and honestly, at that point, I was getting very big... Gurren Lagan vibes, you know? It was entirely Gurren Lagan. They had the big mech and everything. Everyone was there. I also think that Mecha just have to go to space at some point, because remember G Gundam and the, we gotta go to space! <laughs> yeah, I was, I was getting huge G Gundam vibes too, where Hero has to go to space with for his love, and all his friends are encouraging him, and they join along. If it'd been more G Gundam, if they'd gotten on Robo. <laughs> <laughs> Robots riding rocket ships. And that's okay. So that's the thing, too. It's a point, uh, a point that I wanted to make. It's very rushed. So in between the episode where they say they're going to space, they just say, yeah, the Klaxosaurus left us some stuff to go to space. And then they're in space. Yeah. There's no outfitting. It's just they're in space. Everybody's in space to go get uh to go rescue Zero Two or to go reunite with Zero Two. And that's when I said, We're going fast, aren't we? And especially how they had uh outfitted Franks for space. Like, hey, we got upgrades and we got weapons too that make us more of a team, when in reality it made them more of the same. And it- it was just they were in space we were going to space and we didn't have time to explain how the space work we were going to space it wasn't like Gurren Lagann where it was just the natural progression because Gurren Lagann didn't have to tell me anything because I didn't expect it out of Gurren Lagann I expected coherency out of Darling in the Franks yeah and I think that's I I think that's just one of the things is that the world building kind of just they stopped caring they had to get to their destination and it was so obvious that that's what what was going on there was an end insight and they needed to get to it and honestly it's kind of a shame because the last episode i really like like i really like the concept don't get me wrong uh because they go to the the actual final fight with verm feels so it feels rushed it does it feels hollow yeah i was expecting like you you see other mechas and the final fight is usually the culmination of oh you've been my enemy for so long we're gonna have a fight to determine everything and there was nothing like that for verm i felt no i felt no weight to verm as the enemy because verm just came out of nowhere and said hey guys you want to be you want to go to the 7-eleven in heaven yeah there was no hero going fuck you papa we choose our yeah. own destiny. It was like, I'm going to stop Verm and be with Zero Two forever in space. Yeah. it And, like, I get it. It's the... If it had been more of a, a, a struggle to get to Zero Two, or they had, like, their tactics were to separate Zero Two and to just make it known that there were problems of them being, you know... I don't know how to explain it, but there didn't feel like a payoff for the final fight. It was just... We're throwing a billion ships at you. Zero Two said, oh, no, I'm losing. And then Hero was like, oh, no, I'm falling in the sea. It's Kingdom Hearts over here. (laughs) And then Zero Two was like, stop it. Stop falling in the sea. Let's go fight these guys. And Hero was like, okay. And I'm just going to do a podcast. Every podcast, I'm going to explain the series of show really badly. (laughs) And Zero Two's like, go get it. And he's like, okay. 
and they get in the mech and they say, boom, I'm going to use this lance and kill. And they don't even kill Verm. Verm goes, oh, shit, you got this round. Bye. Yeah. I'm going to come back. I forgot about that. Yeah, also, like, also how they only got up and got their uh, mojo going when everyone back on Earth was praying for them day after day. Yeah, it was really power of friendship, but it didn't feel... Now, the, there was a touching moment when they were like, you made us this, hero. You made us this. You taught us this. And that was kind of yeah. touching. It felt like a power of friendship moment was coming together, but it didn't feel as epic as it should. Again, I do know that I think that these episodes were worked on exclusively by Cloverworks, and it shows. Because it didn't have like the, the trigger moment of, this is this is us. All of our friends believe in us. I were super powered up. It felt just like a hollow ending. And See, what else has Cloverworks worked on since you say that? I'm taking a look at their list and some of the standouts are um, what's his name doesn't dream of Bunny Senpai. Rascal. Yeah, Rascal. That what he said. Uh, <laughs> Fake Grand Order of Babylonia. Persona 5, the animation. Uh, Phoenix Wright, the animation. That's it. That's all the notable ones. Huh. That is a mixed bag. Oh, Promise Neverland as well. Oh, that's... That's actually good. That's confusing. So that's... Well, that's about... Not too action-heavy, so it kind of explains why you would feel it falls flat. I I mean and this this came this preceded uh Promise Neverland and Promise Neverland also is a manga so this is an original project so a lot of you know the hands that made this there's uh you know they're coming off and making an original product so it understands why there's not so much there's not an editor to specific who specifically taught how to guide them to a better ending and it kind of shows and maybe I'm just talking out my ass like I always do but it just didn't feel like the final episode. It didn't feel like the final fight. It felt like all this work to get here. Like, episode 15 ended at a natural progression point. It felt like how it should end. It yeah. set up future episodes. There was going to be some tension between Squad 13 and these other group of kids, the Nines, who we didn't even talk about. That's how important they are. Who are just <laughs> spoilers. They're clones of Zero Two, who herself is a clone of the Claxosaur Princess, which we didn't talk about because it was so stupid. It, was, it wasn't stupid, okay? I thought the Claxosaur Princess was cute, but I just didn't. That entire arc with her, it it felt like this should really have been like a. It should have felt like it'd been more like one of those classic mecha shows and been yeah. fifty episodes because the arc with the Claxosaur Princess felt like it could be its own thing. Like, they just, they went down to activate the super secret weapon, and Claxosaur Princess said, nah, I'm going to activate it. And then Verm said, oh, we're a thing now. And it just didn't feel, it felt like more time, and obviously it felt rushed, so more time being added probably would have helped the show. Three more episodes. Three more episodes. Yeah. I'm, try I'm comparing this ending with the ending of G Gundam, which is similar enough. And the difference is that Domon is going to space to save Rain, just like our hero's going to space to save Zero Two. The difference is Domo's final fight involves his uh, confessing of his feelings to Rain and him having to battle out to save Rain, whereas Hero 
meets up with Zero Two once he gets to space. And the final fight is the both of them having a conversation while they slam dunk a bomb into uh, Verm's planet. <laughs> Break the backboard! <laughs> so, it, it, it feel, the difference is that Darling of the Franks has Verm just seeming like a different component, a separate component to the final fight. Whereas G Gundam had uh, Devil Gundam as like a main antagonistic force that no one is overcoming to get to hit to the to the treasure he wants. Yeah, and there's also there's also a couple of I think there's a couple of things that kind of bother me about that entire thing as well. It's it just doesn't doesn't end well. Although I did like the final scene where they finally aishitero each other, which is like the highest level of love that you can do in Japanese, to my oh, yeah. knowledge. Yeah, like a lot of the times they're like, daisuke, 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 and there's like, ski, daisuke. And then you get to aishitero, which is like the big love. Yeah. it's And it, it's honestly a fascinating little look in itself because we don't have, you know, different forms of like, love, like... I mean, like, I can say I love Brad, but that doesn't mean, like, but because we have such a vague thing of love, you'd be like, does he want to fuck Brad? Does he, like, care about Brad deeply? Or does he, like, think Brad as a hobby is really great? Because I love pizza, you know? But do yeah. I want to fuck pizza? Not particularly. Uh, mm. Anyways, and that's just kind of, uh, that's just off tangent. But I that's don't know, just... those pepperoni nips. <laughs> oh, no. Anyways. So it's just kind of, I kind of like that because it's like they finally reached the very apex of how they can feel for each other as far as that language goes to my basic knowledge before somebody reads at me and leave, slides in my DMs with a, I know you think this, but you're wrong because yeah. I know I'm wrong. I'm wrong about everything. So, yeah. And so that was kind of nice. And then they just cartwheel off into space <laughs> and that, was, that actually made me laugh they were just holding hands <laughs> flying off into the stars yeah and talking about why i like the actual last episode is because while that felt rushed it was time passed time passed this happened this happened it felt like a good bound of anime i've watched just end with the final fight there's no the story goes on it's just they beat the bad guy story's over that's all that mattered yeah. And I kind of like that because I guess we're just going to talk about G Gundam all over, but G Gundam just ends with, <laughs> you beat the bad guy, and you the, you guys like each other now officially. End of show. Doesn't yeah. show in the future little, like, you know, the the what happens now that the uh, it's kind of viewed that the, uh, we're going to talk about G Gundam. I think we want to talk about <laughs> G Gundam, but it doesn't show the fall of this this empire. It doesn't show what's happened now that this, every that, everything's over it just says that we've built things up things are going on we're having some struggles and i kind of like that i kind of like knowing how the characters plot end you know yeah i don't like i, I don't like just this episode of their story ending so it makes the other characters feel like they actually matter when they have something going on beyond the main character yeah, and I really like that about Darling and the Franks. That last episode, the second half of it, actually kind of, I liked seeing where the characters' stories end up, ended up. And I was just amazed by how many kids Kokoro was going to have. Good lord. Yeah, she was on her fourth at the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then Futoshi 
uh, just picked up a wife somewhere. Yeah, he chojied himself a wife. He just picked up a background character and said, this is mine now. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ikuno got done dirty. Like she was one of my, she was one of my sleeper favorites in the show. And she, not only did she get ageified when she did her, uh, super her, ultimate attack. Yeah, but she resigned herself to books and then died early. I guess. Yeah, but she also got kind of a uh, she got kind of her love and got you know I believe the uh, Naomi. They seemed kind of like they had a thing, and Ikano was definitely hard. She was she liked her women, and I kind of that's liked one her. thing I I liked that because uh, one of the early episodes when they did uh, the wife swap, yeah, uh, <laughs> the I think Hero was out of commission and yeah, Mitsuru was ha- was having jealousy over the fact that he couldn't ride zero two, so he was underperforming in uh the cockpit with Ikuno. So they decide, well, we'll just swap pilots. See how that goes. And then Ikuno, no. Mitsuru is trying with Kokoro. So, which is the first cuckening. Yeah. And Ikuno's like, uh, let's see if we could do it with two pistols. And she decides to ride uh, Ichigo. And I'm like, huh. Favorite thing about it was the first thing that I thought was, huh, that's an interesting concept. Let's see how it plays out. And then when we get to the episode where she follows up on that, it's like, wow, that's some good forethought. Yeah, and I kind of like that too because that that moment I said, I think Ikuno's into Ichigo, but it wasn't so heavy that I said, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was subtle, and I liked it. I mean, it wasn't subtle. She literally got in there and tried to pilot another girl in the sex <laughs> ma- in the sex machine. But yeah. it still was kind of interesting, and it kind of made me interested in Ikuno, too. All of the characters had little, uh, honestly, I think Miku was the least. <laughs> Everybody got an episode. Miku didn't. Yeah, Miku was just like the Sundari Twintail girl. The the modern Sundari, as I talked about previously. Yeah, kind of disappointing, because I thought Miku was really cute. I really liked Miku. Uh, what was his name? Mikuno the Great? Zorone- Zorome the Great? Yeah, Zorome the Great. And when they were painting the background for the wedding, for Mitsuru and uh, Mitsuru and Kokoro's wedding, they were like, yeah. decorate the background. And he just wrote, Zorome joins the fray. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I laughed so hard about that, because it's just in the background of this scenic landscape. Zorome joins the fray. Yeah, he's a Sundari boy of the group, but even he gets more character moments. Like, yeah. all the characters have their own moments with each other. Like, some things they'll tell to some characters, but not to other. Like, how Zorame admitted that uh, Miku can be kind of cute when she's not yelling and screaming all the time. And I was like, oh, that's great, but I don't think anything came of that. Yeah, there's nothing that really played out. It just kind of ended. Like your typical yeah. harem show. You're a baka. I'm not the baka. You're a baka. There they go again. <laughs> <laughs> the ones who had satisfying conclusions was Futoshi who became a baker and got a background wife. Uh, Goro and Ichigo who have an expected kid. And Goro is traveling the world like the like the Chad he is. <laughs> Chad. The Chad. <laughs> <laughs> and Mitsuru and Kokoro have their family. Ikuno 
Ikuno got her studies done, so good for her. And Miku and Zorome are just there. The virgin hero versus the Chad Goro. <laughs> virgin hero gets kissed by two by two girls. <laughs> Chad Goro stays loyal to one. Virgin hero goes to space to go lead out a bad ending. Chad Goro explores planet and settles down. Make that. He's got those glasses, though. <laughs> He's got the hair, though, to be a Chad. Yeah, there's no way those glasses are prescription. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> He's... <laughs> they're... They're like, we've only got one pair of glasses, and they're the kind that people wear to play basketball in, Goro. He says, what's a basketball? <laughs> uh, yeah. So just the second, the second two-fifths just sucked. Yeah, the show had a lot of, like, science going on, like Darling the Frank science that I was on board for. And then it dropped all of that when Streletia Apus decided to, like, become Giant Zero Two. Like, there's no science in any dimension that can explain how this is happening. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, like I said earlier, it's not because, like, you watch Gurren Logon and your suspension is held because Gurren Logon isn't held by any science. Yeah. And, I'm, and I mean, I was even kind of irked earlier when... They were testing out the first Franks, and it was said that Franks built the machine, you know? Yeah. But he was like, I don't know how it works, but when we put a guy in there just by himself, it didn't work. And I put a guy and a girl in there, and it was magicy waggy did its thing. I said, you can't do that. Yeah. That is a very G Gundam, Gurren Lagann explanation. You can't, you can't have all these terms whipping around and then say, I don't know how it worked, but then it suddenly did. Go me. There was also the the thing where Zero Two was on Earth and she kept getting cuts, and you kind of connect the dots that oh she's still in the big giant mecha in the mecha lady in the sky, getting beat the fuck up. But it's never really explained properly where Zero Two is. Like, is she in Streletia Apis? just in a spaghetti mess of co cables? Is she on Earth staring up at the sky? And, like, what happens with that projection that turns to stone? It's like, what? what is it? Yeah, it just didn't... It didn't explain and then, anything. And then what happened to the princess? She just kind of fizzled out. She wasn't she necessary for the plot anymore, so she had to go. She was the launch pad to get them into space, and when she served her purpose, she's gone. So, it's just... A lot of things just fell flat, and they didn't... They didn't build up to the proper conclusion that we wanted, or that we deserved, you know? Yeah. I'm struggling to think of what I where I expected the story to go before episode 19. Like, after that, I can think of ways it could have been approved to get to the conclusion... It wanted, but before that, I don't know what conclusion would have kept it going. It really turns into a different show once they get to space, and I don't know how they could have ended it properly before then. Yeah, I same. I mean, I had an idea. Like the the first part of it, I expected 
sort of a polit a more political, not political, more political, not political, less political, yes, political. <laughs> I expected a more internal sort of a fight over Earth. I didn't expect a voyage into space. I expected maybe the Nines, this opposing team of Zero Two clones, to become a big focus, but even they just became. They didn't do anything. Yeah, when, even when Verm introduced itself as, like, say, fuck the Clansosaurs, fuck humanity, we're going to kill all y'all. And the Nines are like, they're still Papa, and we have our orders from Papa, so we'll fight you too. That could have, they could have done something with that. Yeah, I expected something out of it too, but they got murked out of the way and said, <laughs> oh, well, I guess we'll fight the Clansosaurs too. This is all things that could have been remedied with maybe just. It's a few more Don't episodes. Don't go to space. You could have... I just think that this is the one show that deserved more episodes, and not because... And because it just needed extra steps to get to where it ended. Yeah. Anyways, why don't you do something? You want to talk about what they actually gave this, this show? Well, no, be, because there are some other points. As much as I hate it, there were some there good points to this, uh, even in the second half. Uh, mostly concerned around Kokoro's pregnancy. First of all, the fact that it even exists. I don't see too many anime where they go into... Where they actually feature a pregnant character that's going through term. From from beginning to middle to end. Like, from, from conception to, like, pregnancy sickness to actual birth. And especially the hot topic conversation of... Well, what what do I do with this? Do I get rid of it? Do, do, I, do I keep it? What do I do? Yeah, I will admit that that was kind of interesting when she basically had a breakdown because she couldn't pilot the mech anymore because she was pregnant. I mean, that was yeah. very it was very symbolistic there, and I thought that was interesting. But like so much else in Darling in the Franks, I it I I expected something else out of it. That's my that's my entire beef with the second. The second two fifths of the show, it went nowhere, and it wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be so bad, and I wouldn't be so pissed yeah. off if it wasn't that the first three fifths of the show were a solid, enjoyable, almost ten out of ten ride. It was the kind of anime where I was watching it, and I knew before that people had said, "Yo, episode sixteen of this shit goes to the dumpster," and I was going saying. It's got to be just a story facet that they don't like, like each like Zero Two gets killed or something like that. But no, it was just something. The show started to slip and it fell on its face, and that's what irked me the most because the first, like, I feel like this is just a broken. I'm a broken record at this point, but the first fifteen episodes were stellar, and it, it just, it's just, it just made me mad. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm one of the only ones who actually liked 16, 17, and 18. Because we had the momentous uh, fight at Grand Crevasse, and where the giant baby hand, uh, which I'll get into later, just comes down and slams on their plantation and just leave, kills everyone except the children in their uh, in their birdcage. And you ha you see... Like them for a month, just having to live on their own without any adult super adult intervention, and that was fa fascinating for me because it took a nice break from the heavy action, and it showed 
how these characters are starting to able to survive on their own and deal with this new situation. They're building some camaraderie, camaraderie with each other. And because of like the slice of lifestyle episodes in the first half, it's not too much of a like a genre shock. And and we have the touching moment of building up to the marriage and which uh, sets the stage for the pregnancy later. So what are your reasons for hating those three episodes? Ah, uh, because I'm a contrarian or wait, I'm because I agree with everybody else on everything they've ever said. Oh. Uh no, um I honestly honestly I I I can I don't like them because they are they're slow and they don't they they don't necessarily build up to anything outside of just you know just just they don't really amount to much for me personally like for example the actual process of seeing them work together is really cute seeing them come together for this wedding when it's something they don't know mm-hmm. and that's really cool and all but it's just after episode 15, after you make this big hype, yeah, you can have a downer episode. You can have a breather episode. It's expected, but to have a breather arc of three episodes, and yeah, there is stuff going on in the background, like with one of the uh, members of Ape saying, hey, lowly princess, what that mouth do, though? <laughs> and that's all interesting, but it's all stuff that's going on in the background, and it's not... It's not, I guess, what I wanted to see. And I guess that's probably a bad reason not to like them for it not being what I wanted to see. But uh, it's my podcast. And I'm going to say this is my opinion. <laughs> there but you go. It was just, it was just so slow and such a just, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. And I think it's mostly, and most of the problem is probably just the fact that it just segues into episode 19, which I hate. Yeah. So, I feel like that's it. <laughs> episode 19 just comes out of nowhere with this backstory. It's like that one guy in the conversation where if you make eye contact with him, he tells you his whole story. All I can remember is Dr. Franks saying, I'm Dr. Franks. And then his backstory just comes in. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's kind of told like a weird sort of like a uh, sort of like an arc story because they're not uh, not an arc story I'm trying to think of the actual term for what it is but while he's talking other stuff is happening with the uh, kids who yeah. have been taken to the camp and it's okay there's some bad there's some bad background and also here's the kids who you want to see uh nothing's really going on with them so it's just a ho- it's just, just a bad episode it's just bad you ever seen an episode ruin an entire series for you yeah i mean not never to this scale like i guess it's just mecha month so it's like not as bad as episode 13 of 8th ms team episode 12 episode 13 i've made a new episode after that comes (laughs) before that it's my original fan fiction where shiro goes can't goes up you know what? It's a beach episode. There's no beach episode in 8th MS team. But Matt, weren't they fighting in the jungle? Which is... <sighs> this is off topic. <laughs> I was trying to think of something like that. I'm glad you beat me to it. Yeah, I shot my own self in the foot for the sake of this entire discussion. So, 
What what are some of the other points you've got to make? You said you had a lot of them. I was trying to wrap this episode. Say this episode, this show got it. It pooped the bed, and you said no, 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 not quite. Uh, when we got into the actual backstory of Hero and Zero Two, uh, first of all, it excused Hero Two's uh, A One Pictures blandness by explaining it with a memory wipe, which was nice, and it. It didn't treat it like an amnesia arc because we, including he, uh, Hero, never knew he had amnesia. And it wasn't all like, I lost all my memories, it's just, I lost this specific memory. And seeing the interactions of young Hero and uh, young Zero Two, uh, I didn't think it would hit me as hard as it hit most other people, but it was so adorable. It was so heartwarming. I wish there was a whole series just about that, like a 12-episode slice-of-life adventure with Little Hero and Little Red Zero Two, (laughs) just kind of growing up together, bonding, and he teaching her a bunch of stuff. It was just so cute, and I wish there was more of that. Yeah, I, that actually was kind of heartwarming. The entire picture, like, the entire picture book sort of motif that was, that picture book had great art, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I paused the credits, like, every transition just to read the picture book. Same, actually. Yeah. But uh, I really like just, I just like the, the, the themes they held into it. So that's one thing I can say was pretty nice. And I did like that, Uh, I did like the mini hero in, Zero zero point zero zero two arc, <laughs> and I I I guess I guess it is kind of nice because Hero is kind of flat. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see that he was kind of okay. Zero zero two was cuter as a little oni demon. Fight me if yeah. I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Mm, there went another listener. <laughs> Let's see. What was your score for this overall? Mm. Well, much like the most prominent character in the show, I gave it a... I actually gave it a seven. (laughs) I was going to say two, but... I mean... Just gave it a seven. Yeah, it's... As an animisery show, it made me feel miserable, but... I wish it was something better. I feel like it's it's important to note that a lot of the times these animiseries are this show, and then we watch it, and then this wasn't that bad. Yeah, we are. Uh, this is our budding show, and we're still trying to work it out, work out the kinks. We need to watch I, shows before we declare them animisery worthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's literally. I remember the discussion for it. I said people said that. Darling in the Frank sucks after certain episodes. We'll do that. And you, but what about All to Know a Zero? Me, fuck All to Know a Zero. <laughs> no one cares about All to Know a Zero anymore. I'm going to use this Anna Misery Darling in the Franks thing to get people to hate listening to me. That's <laughs> like, he's wrong. It's amazing. 10 out of 10, 20 out of 2 million. Or 20 out of 10, sorry. <laughs> 20 out of 2 million. <laughs> and. and we really did look out, though, with the Magical Girl site, with how, like, woo, woo, that was. Yeah, I mean, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever gonna, like, I mean, next episode, though, next episode, though, 
yeah, guarantee we're have a classic one I mean it's kind of like it's kind of like going back to my weird roots too for like how I got into anime <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah but what was your final score uh my final score yeah I would have to give a six point five mm. like i I really enjoyed the middle part. Episode 13 to 18 were my favorite episodes. And the ones before that were pretty good. The ones after that were so different that I just didn't care anymore. Mm. See, I mean, well, this show to me just exemplified a... It just, it, just, it just reeked of 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Mostly because the start of it was so 10 out of 10. It was consistently entertaining. I was always... I ended up watching like eight episodes in a row at one point and I was having such a blast. And I mean, I kept look. I was looking forward to watching it and I was like, oh shit, this isn't going to be Anna Misery. Yeah. I'm, and the episode, episode 19 reared its ugly and said, hi guys. And I was like, oh. And then it just kept on and it went from being a 9.5, almost 10 to just, to just a seven. Well, I mean, this it was show, show would have been so much better if it didn't go to space. For once, going to space was the wrong move. I mean, the disparity of the show was highlighted when uh, Zora May was talking to Hero, and you could sum it up as, uh, "We're having trouble finding fertile soil to grow crops," and Hero's like, "I'm going to space." <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of the slice of life bullshit. Oh, it's very comparable to Gurren Lagann, and just like G Gundam, it has its severe differences. Uh, Darling and the Franks, uh, it, it's explaining its mecha with our mecha is powered by magma, which is found from the Earth's core, which is also a liquidified form of Klaxosaurs when they try to uh, free their souls from disparity, and that's why we're going to space. And you think. Well, that's a pretty big leap. You could just stay on Earth. I mean, I don't know why we're in space, why, how we're going to space, what we're doing in space. But Gurren Lagann is like, our mechs are powered by manpower. We're going to space. And you're like, all right, we're going to space. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a natural, it's a natural <laughs> movement. You can't have such, it, it, it's just... It's just, what can you say, really, is just a, much like the end of our podcast, it feels rushed. <laughs> rushed and afraid to do anything new. And on that note, thanks for <laughs> listening to you talk about the college podcast. <laughs> I've been your host, Matt. What? I, and I guess I'm Brad. Wait, did I say I'm Matt? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Just go with it. Just go with it. We darling the Franks now. Catch us every Tuesday and every other Friday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and Radio Public. If you want to, if you want to hear us after hours, follow us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to find our all our social media. Check us out on Anchor. It has links to everything. <laughs> and as Plato once said, only the dead have seen the end of anime. 
All right. Take care. Good night, everybody. That's our show. Gone, Bate.